So uh, if you're just joining us today for the first time in this, in this series, we, uh, we've been, uh, this is week number three, in a series on, uh, the, on one another, one another. Uh, there, are, there are many one another instructions that are given in the New Testament. You know, Jesus, we're all about Jesus. We sing about him. We talk about him here, right? If you're, if you're new to this thing, maybe you're a little weirded out by how much we talk about Jesus and how much we sing to him and, and uh, you know, worship him, lift up his name. But this, this is all about him. Jesus came, the Son of God came into our world 2,000 years ago. As, as a man, came, in, came as, a, as, a, as a baby, grew up to be a man. God in the flesh, the Bible tells us. He lived among us. At the uh, end of his short life, 33 years. That gets younger and younger every year. At the end of his short life, we murdered him. We murdered the Son of God. Nailed him to a cross. But joke's on us, God had planned that all along. That as he hung on that cross, he bore our sin, our guilt, our failures, our brokenness. So that sin on that cross, the power of sin on that cross would die. And then three days later, on the third day, he rose again. Wasn't a resuscitation. He didn't pass out and somebody woke him up. He rose again. Firstborn of the new creation. He became something new. A new kind of human. And made a way for you and I, if we believe in what he did for us, to become a new kind of human too. Amen? And when, as he left this world and poured out his spirit upon the church, upon those 120 in the upper room. Within the first day, it, it grew ex- exponentially to 3,120, right? And continued to just grow and grow. It, Jesus established a new kind of community on this earth. A new kind of society, a new way of doing life built around the love of God. And in the New Testament, we have instructions over and over and over that we are to love one another. To love one another. That is the core of this new society, this new new family. This is the culture that... Jesus insisted must be in this new family that we would love one another. 
And then we have this love one another broken out into all kinds of other one another's. This word one another, as we've said the last couple weeks, this word one another is not two words in the Greek. It's one word. It's, a, it's an actual concept that we are called to one another together. We're, we're called to be in a, in a unique kind of reciprocal give back and forth relationship that is that is like nothing else, like no other relationship in the world. Or ought to be. We do it right. And that we are to one another together well. To treat how we treat one another is the best measure of our spiritual maturity. And it's significant if we are going to walk with Jesus that we learn how to one another well. So there are 47 commands, instructions in the New Testament of how we are to one another. So we've, we've been reading every one of them. It's okay, it's the thing, the string's off, so I've got to fix it. Um, thank you. Donald Gallon made that, so thank you, Donald. Wherever you are, there you are. Thank you. Um, so we have split the, uh, just to, for the sake of uh, going through all of these 47, we could have done, you know, 40, a 47-part series. But uh, we're doing a four-part series and, and bunching these together, grouping these together. Uh, first week, we talked about love one another. Last week, we talked about forgive one another. Today, we're talking about serve one another, which touches on the, the virtue or the value of humility. Humility. Oh, we love humility, don't we? Humility is one of the upside-down principles of the kingdom of God that often doesn't make sense to us. Jesus opened the Sermon on the Mount by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. How does that make any sense, right? How does meekness or humility or poverty of spirit gain us anything in this world? Don't we have to go out and fight for what we want? Isn't that what the world has taught us? Right? But in God's kingdom, humility is one of the greatest virtues. It's not shocking that God Almighty is powerful enough to speak stars and planets and galaxies into existence. I mean, if, if He's Creator God, it's not shocking that God has the ability to speak the universe into existence. What's shocking is that He is that powerful and yet He is humble. That's shocking. That he chose to enter his creation and come into this world at all is amazing. 
And he came not as a prince in a Roman palace, but as a peasant in Judea. He lived in obscurity for most of his life. He was willing to be identified with sinners and outcasts. He was falsely accused, put on trial, and sentenced to death as a criminal. The God of the universe values humility. Humility is often what undoes the powers of this world. Humility is not only important, but it must become the pursuit of our lives if we are going to follow the path of Jesus. So let's go through a few one another's again this morning. Serve one another. Galatians 5 verse 13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Isn't that good? Right? You were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Isn't that interesting? Serve humbly love. Those, thing, those things, it's important that they go together, isn't it? Serve one another humbly with love. You were called to be free. In other words, you were called to be cut loose, to live to live life freely. See, our world, our world thinks freedom is being able to do whatever I want. In fact, um, I don't know if you know this, but one of the core, one of the core um, commandments, if you will, in the Satanic Bible, not that I read it regularly or anything, or have ever read it, but one of the core commandments in the Satanic Bible is, do as thou wilt. Do whatever you want, right? Interesting. Listen to these words, but, but Paul said we are called to freedom. What does that mean? Listen to these words from St. Augustine. I think, I think he sums up this, this idea well. Love God and do whatever you please. Now there's a big difference, isn't there? Love God and do whatever you please. He goes on to say, For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Right? If we, if, we, if we look after those first commandments, if we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself, and the, the new commandment Jesus gave as well, to love each other in the church, if we do those things, we can do whatever we want. 
because we won't, we won't violate our love for God, our love for the world, and our love for each other. Right? And so Paul says, so use that freedom. Instead of using it to, to gratify yourself, use that freedom to serve each other, to serve one another humbly in love. Listen to this one. John 13, verses 3 to 5. The night before Jesus goes to the cross, he's, he's celebrating Passover with his friends, his disciples. John 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel wrapped around him. So as Jesus approached the hour of his great sacrifice, as he approached the hour that he knew he was going to the cross, he was given a revelation of the power and authority that his father had given him, and he was given a full revelation of his identity as the incarnate God. Again, the verse says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And his response to this revelation of his authority and his identity was not what my response might have been in that moment, right? We would have powered up and said, okay, who... Who are we going to take out? Who are we going to take care of? These guys, are, these guys are being mean to us. Let's go, you know, deal with them, right? But in response to this revelation of his authority and his identity, he took off his dinner jacket, wraps a servant's towel around his waist, he gets a bowl, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Washing feet was a, a normal task in that culture because everybody wore sandals. Everybody walked in the dirt and the dust and the mud. And when you came into someone's house, they would have their servant wash your feet before you came into the house. It was a servant's task. Not the guest of honor's task. Not the not the master of the house's task. It was a servant's task. And that's why Simon Peter responded so strongly that Jesus shouldn't wash his feet. But then Jesus, after he had finished, he said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another. There's that word, right? That alelon, that Greek word, one another. You also should wash one another's feet. 
I have set you an example, he said, that you should do as I have done for you. Uh, This obviously doesn't have the same cultural application today that that it did then. We don't, I I don't think any of us have wash basins at our front door. We we have this, you know, this fancy innovation called socks and closed-toed shoes and, 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 you know, paved roads and, and sidewalks. And, you know, we, we don't generally wash one another's feet when we come in the door. But, but I think that doesn't change the instruction that we are to serve one another regularly in humbling and sometimes even humiliating ways. And take the path of a servant with one another. Love says, I love you, I need you, how can I serve you? I love you, I need you, how can I serve you? Give preference to one another, submit to one another. A couple of our world leaders I don't, I, we're not, I don't know, I don't want to talk about our opinions of either of these g- gentlemen, but, uh, um, but they're, they're both offering the way to each other, right? Um, give preference to one another. Love must be sincere. Romans 12, verse 10. Love must, verse, starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Literally, that, the, the wording there means outdo each other in honoring each other. We, we get competitive about a lot of things, but I don't know how often we get competitive about preferring the other person. No, you first. No, you first, right? Prefer one another. Paul tells us we ought to be Rather than seeking honor for ourselves, we ought to be seeking honor for our beloved in the family, for those around us. Another verse that goes along with that doesn't have the... um, doesn't have the one another in the, in the Greek. Anyways, it doesn't have the one another word, but, um, but it, it supports it. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. 
Not how can I get what I want, but how can I help you move forward? How can I help you succeed? How can I help you be blessed? Right? So many churches over the years, decades, and centuries have been torn apart because people gather into groups and say, we want what we want. And the other group says, no, we want what we want. And rather than honor each other, we, we, want, we want our agenda. It's not the heart of Jesus, is it? Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do we worship Jesus? How do we honor Jesus? How do we submit to Jesus? By submitting to each other. Wow. Another word we don't like. Submit, right? Submit to each other. We learn pretty, pretty early our, our three-and-a-half-year-old grandsons get it pretty well. You know, you're not the boss of me. Oh, yes, I am. Right? Submit to one another. Andrew Murray is a missionary pastor and revivalist in the late 1800s. In his book, Humility, The Journey Towards Holiness, he makes a point that I think is well-founded. And he quotes 1 John 4, verse 20. It says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Right? If, if we can't love somebody that's right in front of us with this one heart we have, we don't have two hearts. You've heard me say this before. We don't have one heart for God and one heart for people. We have one heart. If we can't, if that heart can't love somebody right in front of us that we can see, then we're full of baloney when we say that we love God. That's what this is saying. We all agree that's what it's saying? Right? And so, um, Andrew Murray suggests that this same principle applies to other virtues. We may say that we submit to God. That's easy enough to say because there's nobody, nobody, you know, God's not showing up on a daily basis for us to ask, hey, how, is, is so-and-so right when they say that they're submitting to you? You know, we can get away with just saying, yeah, I submit to God. It's easy to say. Words are cheap, right? But Andrew Murray says, if, if we can't submit to one another, if we can't submit to people who we can see, then we are not likely truly submitting to God who we can't see. Let that settle in for a moment. Right? Our submission to one another is how is one of the ways at least that we show our submission 
to God. And if you need a verse, I already read it to you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Carry one another's burdens. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. When we see a brother or sister struggling, rather than count the ways they should have done something different, right? Or fire off and, I told you so. Or treat their life like a gladiator sport that you just can't help but watch the destruction. We ought to be in there lifting them up. Sometimes, as the church, we are really good at shooting our wounded. Sometimes we're really good at the dog pile. Just, just, you know, when someone's down, pile it on, right? But that moment when someone is struggling is when they need more kindness and grace than ever. That's what we would want, is it not? Right? It's when they need more kindness and grace than ever. So, what can I do to support you? Ought to be our question. What words do you need to hear today? Not, what do I want to tell you? Nobody, ne nobody needs friends like Job's friends. Right? Who stand around and say, yeah, see, I knew that you were going to get in this mess. I, you know, God doesn't love you anymore. God doesn't, you know, and, and just keep on the abuse. Nobody needs friends like Job's friends. We need brothers and sisters that jump into the mess with us and pick us up and help us to carry our burdens. Because we all have days when we have burdens and we all have moments when we need an arm, a shoulder. The Bible tells us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. It's called empathy. And we can all stand to grow in the area of empathy, right? Sympathy is feeling bad for someone. As, as you say here in, in uh, the North Shore, piche, right? It's, sympathy is feeling bad for someone. Empathy is feeling bad with someone and jumping in the mess with them and bearing and carrying the burden with them and helping them get back to Jesus as quickly as possible. Right? So Paul says that in, 
In this way, we will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ, folks? Love. It's love. Love one another. How do we do that? One of the ways is we carry each other's burdens. Right? Show hospitality to one another. That one's more fun. 1 Peter 4, verse 9. Offer, hospita offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. Hospitality is not just about giving someone a meal or a drink. Food has always been symbolic of something so much deeper. Opening your home to someone, sharing food and drink together, is about opening your hearts and your lives to each other. Inviting someone into your space and saying, you are welcome here. There is something sacred about that. There is something powerful about that. But love says we do that without grumbling. That means as soon as the door closes behind them, you don't say, well, it's about time they left. Right? And then criticize what they wore and what they said and, you know, what they did. But you know what? We can dig deep and love each other in spite of our weirdness and eccentricities because everyone else is doing that for you too. Right? And just show hospitality to one another. Some of us are really good at being hospitable. Some of you have a real gift of hospitality, welcoming people into your into your home. Others are really good at being guests. <laughs> Love to show up and eat your food, right? And hang out with you. That's awesome. Others of us are sometimes sometimes tend to isolate ourselves a little too much. And I want to prod us a little bit today. Cuz we need each other. I know I those of you who are, you know, introverted more in the room, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to do it every day, but, but once in a while, you, you need to step out. Go for it and hang out with someone because there is power in that. There is finding someone who will carry your burdens with you in that. Amen? And lastly, this morning, everybody say amen. <laughs> Ministering our gifts to each other. This is the very next verse after the hospitality verse in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says this God has given each of you a gift. From his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? 
then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever. Amen. Any spiritual gifts that God has put in our life? He's given you wisdom or financial wisdom, acumen, or prophetic insights, or handyman or woman skills, or baking, or generosity, or teaching abilities. Whatever it is, those gifts that God has given you are not about you and they are not for you. They're not to get you attention or position or to win favors with people. But they're given to you to give away. Right? They're given for you to gift them to others as God's grace poured out in their lives. And so we use them, Peter says here, to serve one another. Sometimes that may be in formal ways, like serving in a ministry at church. Grateful for the people that open the door every Sunday, for people that are walking in and that make coffee and that um, give you a smile when you walk in the lobby. Very grateful for the people that clean the toilets and all the things that happen around here, right? We're grateful for all that. But it'll also happen probably more often in informal ways. Just being a blessing to someone that you see in need. Encouraging them, strengthening them. And then your gift will do what it was intended to do, as the passage says, it will give glory to God. Give glory to God. Ask the worship team to come back. I'm going to get you to stand. Thank you, Jesus. My voice made it to the end. Hallelujah. Um, being like Jesus means, at least in part, being like Jesus means pursuing humility. How many know humility is not automatic? Right? It's not, it's not my natural tendency or yours. 
to just naturally gravitate to humility. Humility is about laying down my life for the sake of others. It's about choosing to love in a self-giving way. And so we have we are called to pursue humility. The the door to greatness is low. We are called to lower ourselves and God will lift us up. Listen to these words from Ephesians chapter from Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God his position something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. think we need prayer. Anybody need prayer this morning to say, God, I need your strength to do that. So Father, we thank you for the, thank you for the humility of Jesus. Thank you for the love of Jesus. Thank you for the mindset of Jesus who made himself nothing and took the form of a servant. In spite of his high position, he gave everything in humility. He humbled himself for me. God, today, I recognize that far too often pride creeps into my heart wants to raise myself up wants to defend myself and protect myself and find a way to, to climb up higher and today I confess that I need 
your strength. God, I pray that that you would strengthen all of us, that we would choose. It's an act of our will to choose to humble ourselves and serve one another. What an amazing place churches can be when brothers and sisters serve one another in humility and love. God, I pray that you would come and move in our lives. Come and move in evangel. In a move of God of humility. That God, we would be known as a, as a church with a servant heart. Thank you, God in us. Let this word settle in our hearts today, we ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor. We're going to open the altars for, for anyone today that would like to come and wait upon the Lord and allow God to continue to work in our hearts, in our lives. And if today you come with a special need and you need a breakthrough in your life. You need a miracle from the Lord. We do serve a God who does give breakthroughs. And if that is you today, we would encourage you to come and one of the breakthrough members will pray for you. If you have to go at this time, God bless you and thank you for coming to the house of the Lord today. You have yourself a good week. But again, the altars are open for anyone who would like to come and spend some time with the Lord. God bless you. Sing praises to God.